How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Your time in the portal and why you chose Michigan State and just what that time of the process was like for you. Yeah, when I entered the portal, I was in the portal for about three days. I had talked to a couple schools, a couple uh, Division two schools, and then I had talked to like Mercer and Georgia State. And uh, um, so I was in there for three days, and then I got introduced to Coach Barnett, and uh, I sent over my film to him. We kind of got to know each other a little bit over the fall, and then he called me back a couple days later, and uh, they offered me, and it was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, you couldn't really pass up Power Five football, especially with a head coach like Coach Tucker. So I kind of just jumped at that opportunity. And, Packed up all my stuff and came up to stream ball. So speaking of Coach Tucker, and thank you for joining us. What? Um, why did you want to play for Coach Tucker? Well, I kind of saw what he did at Colorado going in, and uh, my uh, girlfriend's father, who was actually Musa Muhammad, when he played here, Coach Tucker. That's my teammate. <laughs> yeah, Coach Tucker was a GA, so he kind of knew him a little bit. And he had nothing but good things to say about him. So, I mean, I trust him, and I took his word for it, and here I am. Moose is my guy. Him and I played together. Yeah. Believe it or not, I was the offensive guard, and we spent uh, many, many years together. He's a brother. I love him. And you just yeah. made, me f- you made me feel real old right now. Yeah, I was going to say, is that I black? Mean, is I it- mean, I'm, I'm like, I mean, wow. Yeah, is that black and white tape? Is, is that color? <laughs> like, didn't even have tape back then? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Kendall, the, we've heard all we've all heard stories since since you uh, made it big that you spent some time literally chopping wood uh, back back when you were in, in South Carolina. Tell us about that part. Like, what, what's that all about? Yeah, that's uh, kind of what my family does for a living: commercial loggers. So, I mean, we wasn't really chopping wood. We yeah, so I was just working out there trying to save up some money in my in my off time. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I can see why people would shift that into chopping wood with, with making it fit yeah. the narrative. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so you're used to the mantra and the slogan, and you you live it. You've been you've been chopping yeah. in your life. Yeah. You've been you've been yeah. you know you've been doing it for a while. So what is um, you know when you come to a, a Power Five program, um, you know at a Big Ten school like Michigan State, and and where you come from, like what do you see as the biggest difference being here compared to where you came from? I think the biggest difference at this level is just like the attention to detail, the resources, and the, the overall like the trenches is the biggest difference. The offensive line and the defensive line, and the linebackers are way bigger, way stronger, way faster at this level. Than at the Division two level, that was kind of the biggest thing that I saw coming in. But like I said, again, like the resources, I mean, we got nutritionists, weight room, training room. I mean, everything is just it's, it's so much better. And they, they really try to make it easy for you as an athlete. 
So, Kendall, when you played your first game at the Woodshed this season on the field, when you were starting playing significant snaps, what was it like for you playing in that environment? And just, I know a lot of D2 schools have passionate fans and all that, I'm sure, but there's not anything like a Big Ten stadium out there. So I'm sure it was, must have been a little cool, must have been a little unique for you. Yeah, it was It was cool, especially since I was doing good. So it wasn't like, <laughs> like messing up. It probably would have been a whole lot whole lot different if I was out there just messing up but <laughs> coming out I mean it was like I was a little anxious just to know like just to see what it was like but at the end of the day it was just like football is still football so once I got that first lick in or that first hit like Coach Tucker likes to talk about it was just kind of it kind of settled me down and I was able to you know stay locked in. So it's, it's funny because football is football. Yeah. And if it's D2, if it's uh, my son's uh, uh, JV team at 10 years old, and, and really it's about that first lick and, and measuring yeah. up and feeling like, uh, you know, hey, I can, I can do this. I can play there. And you've made a tremendous impact doing that. Um, where, tell me about this next week now, right? We've had two weeks and uh, we've had two rough weeks. What are we doing different this week to mentally prepare to to get back to to get back to what Michigan State football is all about? Yeah, from from a personal standpoint, you know, I'm just trying to go through everything, make sure I know not only what I'm doing but what the people around me are doing. Because at the end of the day, it all fits together like the puzzle. So, just mm-hmm. understanding the, the bigger picture and not just my assignment, and uh, you know, just trying to keep everybody positive and focused. And, and letting them know that, you know, we, we're the ones that's in control of, you know, whether we win or lose. So let's make it to where we leave no doubt about what we need to do. So. Yeah. So, Kendall, one of the things you have done on a consistent basis so far this year um, is you force fumbles. And, I mean, at the end of the day, to you, it might seem natural because that's, that's just football's about. You're trying to get to the ball. But other people are not forcing them at this rate. So you got to be doing something different in either the way you're practicing your form, the way that you're prioritizing the ball and the tackles. How do you, how do you get such a high fumble rate? Where does that come from? You Take us behind the scenes a little bit on that. I mean, I guess I would say it comes from, like, practicing, practice how you play. I mean, we emphasize – tackling the right way, you know, club up, wrap up, drop five, but also shoot your hips and, and bring some force with you. So when I come up, I, that's what I try to do. And it just so happens that when I've been doing it, the ball's been coming out. I guess I'm applying, applying some good force <laughs> So... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's been almost unreal because when you hit and uh, someone's sitting way high up there, I'm sitting up in the press box squinting, trying to figure out who it is. When you hit, I know who it is without getting to see the jersey number. It, it, yeah. it feels different. It sounds different. And uh, it's, it's been the best part of, of watching Michigan State football and defense for me this year. Um, when you're getting prepared for a game, what music is pumping through your headphones that's getting you playing like this? It's getting you ready to knock people out. What, who's your top five? What's your pregame playlist? My pregame playlist. Well, my, my pregame playlist is kind of different than my top five. So All like, right. Well, well you okay. give us your top five first, and then you let us know who's missing from that in the pregame playlist. And if it's Tim McGraw okay. and country music, just tell us. It's okay. I, don't, I, mm, I hope not. Nah, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> like, on, the, on the daily, I say I listen to a lot of – this in no order, though. I listen okay. to a lot of Lil Baby. I listen to a lot of Gunner. I listen to a lot of Nipsey Hussle. I have my days where I listen to like Jay Z and Nas, 
So I say that's my top five. But then once we get to pregame, it's like a whole different switch. I listen to like a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of Phil Collins in the air tonight. Wow. Okay. All right. So I try to whatever get my juices going, I listen to the same playlist every week. So. That's that's good to hear. I, I love to hear Th- that. That's like six weeks of little baby being mentioned in top five. So I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling it good. It is, but I'm impressed. Phil Collins, we got a we got a yeah, mature Phil young Collins, man. That's a lot of people don't know about that one. Uh, I, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm a I'm a date myself. I do. I do. I've been oh, yeah. I've been to a couple of his concerts. So tell us yeah. who is uh who's the funniest guy in the team? Hmm. Funniest guy on the team right now. They were in the tight race, but I'm gonna say it's between <laughs> DJ Barker and Zion Young. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right, they they characters. Yeah. So so speaking of Zion Zion Young, that reminds me of a question I wanted to ask. Out of the people that haven't seen the field a lot, just because they're younger, who are some guys behind the scenes in practice that are really making an impact that you've seen? Well, like like you just said, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Zion. I mean, yeah. we had him on the player alert in fall camp, and ever since then, he's just been on a steady come up. You know. As far as young guys, um, yeah, Zion, Tyrell's been doing a great job on special teams. Um, Germ, obviously, has been doing a great job on offensive yeah. special teams. Yeah. So, you know, the you know chopping is, is a way of life, right? If we're right. 8-0, and 0-8, we're going to chop. We're going to keep chopping, keep working. And so, you know, there was much discussion this past week about uh, a player-led meeting called by uh, Jacoby Winman. And yeah. as you know, as we all know that played, that the best teams are, are the ones that are player-led. What do you think came out of that after that meeting? I think it was it was it it kind of provided us with a sense of, like, nobody's giving up. You know what I'm saying? We, we all trying to get better, and we still focused on winning. That's what we're here to do. We're, we're here to win football games. And I think that meeting just kind of brought us all a little closer and, and we understood why the season's been going the way it's going and it allowed us to kind of be prepared for Monday practice and, and cleaning up those little things that we went over in that player-led meeting. For sure. So, Kendall, you've, you've seen Mel Tucker after two wins. You've seen him after two losses. Mm. One thing we've heard a lot about Coach Tucker from various people just throughout the past few years, he seems to be a guy that's pretty even-keeled. Um, he's not going to suddenly just melt down when things are going bad. But what can you tell us from what you've seen after the good and the bad and just what's Mel's disposition and demeanor like? I mean, Coach Tucker, the same, same, you're going to get the same person every day. Hmm. He never too high. He never too low. He always keeps like that even kill neutral mindset. So I think that just falls back on the like keep chopping mindset on like, he came in this week and he we went over the film and he told us where what we needed to correct moving forward and you know the same thing as if we were if we would have won he would have did the same exact thing so I mean nothing really changed up with him you know just just the same person we always do. It's that new, neutral thinking. Yeah, you never get too high, you never get too low. You don't let yeah. social media take over the the personality right. of the program. You don't pay too much attention to it and. Um, we're actually uh, we're proud of you. We're excited for you. We're uh, we're gonna look forward to win yeah. this week and turning oh, yeah. this thing around. And we got a long way to go. And us dogs and true Spartans, we're with you, hundred percent. Win, lose or draw, 
and uh, we want to wish they don't, you have, they don't have draws in football, Brian. <laughs> you think about the one in Europe. If you go to an eight overtime, you can tie. Can you? No. Just oh. kidding. I got me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Penn State and Illinois tried that last year. They just kept missing gotta, the two-point I tried to pass. I mean, he even looked. Kendall even said, you know, he, he yeah, thought I was. I <laughs> Kendall got no plans of letting he'll, he'll strip the ball before he, I gets to eight but overtimes. He, but he paused because I said it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, eight overtimes. He's like, okay. You know, he, he thought. <laughs> he said, is it different rules in the FBS? <laughs> Well, Kendall, brother, we hey, fellow from one dog to another, we wish you the best of luck and uh, God bless. Stay healthy, keep chopping, and let's go out there and get a W this weekend. And uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Kendall, a lot of fun yes, talking sir. to you. Appreciate your time, man. Good luck, stay healthy, man. Kendall, Kendall Brooks, what a what a fine young man. Yeah, I'm telling you, wonderful young man. Yeah, he's uh he's a dude that I remember back when he committed to Michigan State. I talked to him back then a little bit to get quotes and stuff on on his commitment and. Just a hardworking dude. He said that he was just going to come in and battle for as many snaps as he possibly could. Just not going to have any expectations or entitlement. And um, about, what, 15, 16 months or so after that, he's finding himself in the starting lineup, and he'll be staying there for the rest of the year, barring any sort of unfortunate, obviously, event. But he's, he's cemented himself in that, in that defense. He definitely has. Dog of the week. Yeah. On to the next topic. Yeah, it's um, Michigan State lost this week to Minnesota, as I'm sure everyone listening is aware. 34-7. to um, I think, Owen, do we have a video for that? Yeah, so. Um, N- not many highlights, mm-hmm. per se, and I, no. think, I think when you look at the video. Justin, when you watch the game, you know, tell us some of the things that you saw. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, it's. A lot of the same stuff we saw against Washington, but in a completely different way. Um, Against Washington, there was a lot of breakdowns in zone communication, and Michigan State was dropping six or seven guys, but there was some open grass. So Scotty Hazleton saw that on the tape, decided that, hey, this game we're going to come out, play much more man, Uh, made that adjustment. But unfortunately, the guys were not able to cover in in man-to-man either. So what happens as a result of that, especially with those – uh, inside releases on slant routes with the slot receivers is those guys beat the safety and they're open within a split second and your blitzes aren't getting there when they're called rarely and the four-man pass rush isn't getting there. So secondary, I guess, just um, still looking shaky. Um, offensive line, um, they kind of got some some bright spots in the second second half and the first drive, but the running game needs to be smoother. Um, Mel said in the press conference this week that uh, the holes are there, but the running backs aren't hitting them. Interesting. I, I, actually, I don't know if he said it like that, but he said the holes are there. Now we just have to hit them. And um, I've noticed that, too. It's A lot of fans, um, even myself two weeks ago after the Washington game, were quick to say, the run blocking wasn't up to par, and in a lot of drives it wasn't, but some of that does come onto the running backs. And um, the offensive line's pass blocking pretty well, so um, part of it might just be the running backs. We'll have to pay closer attention to that. Um, they were um, looking flat, I guess, on both sides of the ball, so we can't put it all on the defense. It was um, only 17 nothing at halftime, I believe. They had a chance to make a 17-7, and then the guy, the veteran with the with the ball in his hands that you kind of caught on to make the big plays, had that unfortunate fumble in the goal line, and it kind of went from there. But it's not one of those things where you can just blame it on the defense this week. But they'll, they'll, they'll keep working at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you when you watch that game, I mean, you and I both uh, felt that 
we're going to come back and answer that Washington loss. And mm -hmm. um, that was a very surprising game, the way that we responded. The way that yep. we responded and the way that we were. I mean, let's just face it. You know, we were, we were pretty much um, dominated for most of the game. And not to make excuses, I mean, you got, you know, Darius Snow out, Slade out, um, X is out. You know, have had some key injuries, but still, there's no excuses. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think I've only ever made two predictions when it comes to Michigan State football on the record. The first one was against Northwestern Week One of last year. I said they would win for sure. Uh, they did that time. Yes, last episode I got on here, I said I expect them to win, and I, I agree with what you said. Thoroughly, thoroughly surprised. I, I absolutely expected them to bounce back and win. And so right now is gut check time. It's gut check time, and this is where. You know, when you lose two games in a row and, and the Sharks start coming out and social media turns against you and you start to begin to say, all right, what kind of leaders do we have? Yep. Who's going to step up? Who's going to lead this team? Who is going to take us um, um, over the hump? And, and it's going to be a tough challenge coming up this week, you know, when you look at really the key takeaways, you know, from, from the game, right? Um, I think uh, when you look at some of those key takeaways, I think uh, Peyton... Thorne looked a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you know, he's, he had a, a couple miscues. And uh, those are things that out of QB1 that we're expecting and hoping that he gets better. What else did you notice? Yeah, it's um, yeah, good point on, on Peyton. I, I didn't hit on that when I was talking uh, earlier. But, um, yeah, just kind of the kind of the secondary was, was just the biggest thing for me because usually, you know, when a team is underperforming, you can make a list and say – I would like to have them do this differently. I would like to have them do that differently from a schematic standpoint. I honestly don't have an answer for the secondary right now. And we saw Scotty play um, press coverage against Washington on the first couple drives, and the guys got beat deep. Then Scotty went ahead and played cushion coverage, and I, too much cushion, obviously, as, as they have tipped their hand and admitted by coming out in a different way against Minnesota. That didn't work. Um, they're trying to play press with even the safeties and safeties are letting the other teams tight end get open right away. So I, I don't want to make excuses for the coaches and obviously that there's stuff they could be doing better, but it's a lot of the stuff is guys just need to cover guys just need to be able to cover one-on-one -on -one. if they are not able to for even a split second. There's not anything they can call that's going to be able to make up for it. So the fan base has has obviously been on, you know, Scotty, who, who I believe is going to get this right, but about blitzing more and mm -hmm. attacking the quarterback more. And and your response to that is what? So personally, I think it won't work if they blitz more, but I would still like them to try. Because the way I look at it, and I think this is how I put it in my last article for The Athletic, if your guys are not able to cover, whether you are playing press man or whether you are playing cushion coverage, cover three zone, and they're not covering either way, then your next, um, I guess, attempt should be to try to make the quarterback as uncomfortable as possible. So maybe some Mike Zimmer sort of double A gap blitzes uh, are the next thing in order. Honestly, I think when they do that, what might happen is underneath routes might be going for big, big gains. So I can see why they're hesitant to do that. But at this point, I would like to just see something else. So that's, that's what I would say is I would like to see the blitzes, but I also see why they haven't gone to that yet. I can see the logic behind the fear of doing so. But at this point, I would just like to see that attempt being made nonetheless. You know, listen, last year, 11-2, and two, um, we had a generational type player. Uh, expectations, including all of us, right, right. were 
I believe, a little overblown. As you know, this is year three of the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at, you know, when you look at, um, I believe Will Hunter tweeted about um, the top 500 yeah. recruits on the field for that last game. There was one of them, Keon Coleman. Right. And so when you talk to everybody around the staff and around the program, it's recruit, recruit, recruit. Yeah. And so um, this is... This might be a little longer rebuild than we anticipated, and, and some of the some of the expectations were overinflated over uh, after last year since we had a, a once in a generation type player. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, the second that that Michigan State went eleven and two and Mel got the contract extension, people kind of lost a sense of the process that that was going to be required here. People thought that oh, if if Mel's going to make this much money and they won eleven games, the rebuild's over as if there was any correlation between the salary and the job that was on the table. At the end of the day, Michigan State did not have very talented classes in 2020 and 2019 um, under Coach D and in 2021 under Mel Tucker as well because Coach Tucker was recruiting over Zoom and he was recruiting on behalf of a program that was 24 and 23 in the prior six years. And he was recruiting without meeting these kids. And with junior days and kids visiting as sophomores and stuff, other schools had a year or two years head start with a lot of the Plan A prospects Michigan State was recruiting. So that's three cycles that was underwhelming in terms of talent. And those are the three oldest classes that are playing in this program right now. And last year, Mel Tucker went to the portal, um, patchworked some talent in there. Um, once again, did that this offseason. Michigan State is better off since they went into the portal because instead of guys like Jacoby Winman, Amir Speed, uh, Kendall Brooks, you would have had true freshmen playing there. So it's, it's a tricky situation where Tucker made the best of it last year, and now it's almost being held against him because mm-hmm. the expectations are too high when really last season wasn't supposed to happen, and this season was supposed to happen. We all, I guess even myself included, kind of forgot that when you have your best or when you have your oldest classes coming from the downtrodden years of the program, the norm is not to win 11 games. That is an, ex- that is an exception to win 11 games. So next year could be more bumps in theory, right? Yeah. As, as his classes begin to mature, mm-hmm. next year could be, I mean, in theory, right? When you look at the overall trajectory the trajectory is is up for the program, but when you oh, look yeah. at recruiting yeah. and you look at developing, you know, young young athletes, that there's this is a rebuild. I mean, this is not going to happen overnight. Yeah. I mean, it, dare I say, eleven and two was an aberration. Um, you know, when you get a, a once in a lifetime running back, I mean, there's some there's some you know argument for that. Yeah. Um, but me too, right? I mean, in terms of managing expectations, mm-hmm. I mean, we need to all. Take a deep breath collectively yeah. and manage your expectations yeah. as it relates to this program because it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And last year wasn't luck. It was um, those guys went and they found Kenneth Walker. They found Jarrett Horst. Jay Johnson called one of the better offensive coordinator seasons I've seen in a while. That wasn't luck. But what we're saying is that's not something you can replicate very easily. And until you have a consistent level of talent from top down, which should take a few years, really 2022, that signing class is the first legitimate signing class of complete talent from top to bottom that I see in this program. Those guys are true freshmen right now. So some of them are already playing. 
a lot of them will play next year. Um, but really, until that class is the leading class in the program, mm. it's still a rebuild. hundred yeah. percent. So you're talking 22s. You're talking 24s could be sophomores, retro freshmen. Right. 25s really is when they start peaking the third year. Yeah. Of so, you know, there there's going to be some bumps in the road along the way, and and yeah, you know, expectations have to be managed. And, right. You know, if you can get in the portal and and pick up some of the right guys and right pieces that fall in place, great. You know, but you're not going to get a Kenneth Walker every yeah. year in the There's portal. There's only so much talent in the portal. And Michigan State maximizes as much as anybody can. There's just, you're not going to hit on a lot of guys. The, for every Kenneth Walker and Jacoby Winman that dominated at his previous school and is trying to play hard at competition, there are 10 guys in, going the other way. And not a lot of those guys are going to hit. And you, people can uh, go in my comment section on The Athletic and they can go in my mentions and they can throw around, Mel Tucker makes $95 million. That's fine. But whether he's making $95 million or $300 million, he's still not going to be able to speed up time. The 2022 class is the first real class with talent, and they're a true freshman right now. No matter who it is, no matter whether it's Nick Saban, whether it's Vince Lombardi, no coach is going to walk in here and make the 2022 class as true freshmen or even true sophomores play at a level that they can sustain success just yet. Does that mean that they should be letting Tanner Morgan beat him up and down the field? No, it doesn't. It does not excuse some things that we've seen. But at the end of the day, they're supposed to be playing closer to this level of talent or this level of results than they were supposed to at 11-2. and two. Mm. You know, I can agree with that. I can absolutely agree with that. So I guess we're just trying to temper expectations and... I mean, look, I'm the, I'm, I will be the first to admit I didn't expect us to be 2-2 two and two right now, right? I bought into, and I was all excited, and, you know, it's, it's, um, I expected us to have a better showing against Minnesota, but at the end of the day, when you look at, you know, the talent from 1 to 100, there definitely needs to be a major improvement. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Yep. Players, uh, impact players of the game, obviously Kendall Brooks. Yep. Kendall had a great game. Kendall had 18 tackles, 8 solos. Uh, uh, half a TFL did a great job does a good job pursuing really on the play good job of containing the edge and what a fine young man huh yeah he's yeah it's seems to be a, a common theme we keep talking about it with transfers it's Kendall Brooks Jacoby Winman Kenneth Walker all these guys they're as good of people high and, character yeah in, in terms of what we've seen from afar and um, they're, they're hard workers they come in they're humble and um, they quietly have a chip on their shoulder. They don't have to broadcast and talk about how they're going to prove everyone wrong beforehand. They just come in, they work, and then they represent the program as we've seen them do on our show. Jacoby Winman, yep. in my eyes, is the leader right now of this program. Cause yep. a player-only team meeting on yep. Sunday. One of the newest guys on the roster. One of the newest guys and leads everybody in there. And, and to me... As every coach tells you, the best teams are player-led teams. Jacoby Winman has showed up to play every week. This past week, he had five tackles, uh, one and a half tackles for a loss, and, and a and a, and a fr- pressure. And I'm telling you, he has been a wonderful addition to this program. Um, he's done a great job. Absolutely. You know, do we have any highlights of Jacoby Winman at all? Um, I think, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, he's actually shown great leadership yeah. as it relates to uh, of, of what he's done. Yeah. And I'm telling you, he is a natural-born leader. Yeah. If you can walk in here 
and on you know week 10 or whatever he's been here since january yeah but to command a room and to call a team meeting and to be able to um you know get everybody there to show up to watch film mm -hmm. and point out to everybody what's going wrong what needs to be fixed and everybody coming speaks to his leadership ability speaks to what he's been able to do yeah and um, he's been a great addition to this program because he's probably he's just a fine a young man as he is player yeah definitely so i guess on to this week after we've talked about we talked about the past game I think we're, yeah we're about. done yeah. we're moving on um <clears throat> michigan takes on a three and one maryland team um 330 fox sports one you see there <clears throat> Maryland played uh, Michigan toe-to-toe -to -toe last week uh, in Ann Arbor. They um, they gifted Michigan State the or they gifted Michigan the first possession with the fumble on the kickoff, and uh, Michigan immediately turned that into points, uh, seven points, and Michigan won by seven points. And um, Maryland's offensive line was doing a great job uh, moving Michigan off the ball. They have two running backs that average seven yards per carry. And then we know their passing attack with uh, Talia Tagovailoa, um, with Raheem Jarrett, Dante Dimas, two guys that are pros. So this is as good of an offense as, as you're going to see. The defense is where they're lacking, obviously. That's the only reason they're not going to probably be competing for a Big Ten East title. Um, but offensively, they're as good as anybody out there. Definitely better than Minnesota on offense. Um, but significantly worse on defense. So... Michigan State should be able to score points this week, but they also have to find a way to slow them down. Show that stat here. Tua is in passing. Fourth leading passer in the Big Ten. Yep. A footnote. Dan Enos, Dearborn product, former GA, quarterback's coach here, mm -hmm. um, is the offensive coordinator at the University of Maryland. And mm -hmm. I know um, uh, Mel, Coach Tucker, has a ton of respect for Coach Loxley. Mm -hmm. They've done a nice job over there. They have. They really have done a nice job. They, like you said, they went into Ann Arbor last week, battled toe for toe, and and that RPO, that you know read run pass option offense with Tua is very very difficult to stop. Yeah. And so it's really going to come down to us reading our keys, us being able to to diagnose the play, and and sticking to our assignment. So when you head to the keys to the game, talk about Maryland 3:30 on FS1. You know, in, in my estimation, um, one of the biggest tasks is going to be getting off the field on third down. Can we get off the field on third down? What else do you see, Justin? Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the biggest things. And um, this week it's going to be hard because getting off third down is now going to also consist of containing a mobile quarterback. So, first of all, if they do start blitzing more, as we're, we're all kind of hoping for, he can make you pay, Tagovailoa, because if you're not filling the lanes and you're not keeping contained, he'll just take off on you and go ahead and get the first down with his feet. So it's, it's a tricky situation this week. They're going to have to... They're going to have to maximize every offensive drive. It's, if they win this game, it's going to be because of the offense. The defense is not going to be able to slow down Maryland. Not many defenses can. So the offense is going to have to sustain some time of possession. Um, Jay Johnson's going to have to come out and run the ball. I know fans um, were asking last game early on, oh, why are we still running the ball? Because when your defense is out there every single drive for 10, 12, 15 plays, you have to run the ball. You simply cannot stop running the ball after your fourth handoff in the first quarter. Um, so there's going to be some of that. 
Um, and they're just going to have to sustain drives, sustain drives, keep moving the ball. And um, they're going to have to contain to us feet. I think um, that's, that's all you can hope for. And uh, I, I think he's going to put up a lot of yards through the air, and he has throughout the season, and he's going to continue doing that against future opponents too. But they sustain drives and they keep him contained with his feet. I think they have a chance then. I think if you get off the field on third down, mm-hmm. you get a little pressure on Tua and contain him, keep him in the pocket. I think obviously you got to win the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. I think we have to establish the run game. You yeah. have to establish the run game to keep Maryland's offense off the field. Um, you know, hopefully Jaden Reed's healthy. We can get him going. Um, I think Thorne, uh, the offensive line has to give Thorne some, some time, which they've mm-hmm. done a good job, right? Some protection. Yeah, for, pass, for the pass protection's yeah. been decent. And then, you know, we go back to the O-line and D-line, right? I mean, controlling yeah. the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. If you're able to get pressure, you're able to run the ball, you're, you're in any game. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, which I believe we can, mm-hmm. that you have a chance of walking out of College Park and winning. That's what I believe. So players to watch in Maryland. Yeah. Uh, let's get to that. Yeah, I think, oh, and you can throw up um, the box score or the, um, the, the stats that kind of show their team stats. Yep, right there. So as I was saying, obviously, Tolia Tagovailoa is a guy that Can we call him knows. Tua? Little Tua, maybe? Just Young. call him Tua. <laughs> we can, but um, the Dolphins one is also making a name for himself <laughs> right now. Um, also 100 million richer, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the quarterback we all know, 75% completion percentage, just absolutely lighting people up through the air, averaging 9.3 yards per attempt. Um, we have a rushing attack that I just said both guys are averaging over seven yards per carry. Uh, with Hemby and Littleton the second there. Um, there's going to be a receiving core here that is balanced. You see um, Jarrett, Jones, and Copeland there, all with more than 10 catches. You see a tight end with 15, another tight end with 10. Uh, Hemby also catching the ball out of the backfield. A name that you don't see there um, is Dante Dimas, who I would say is the second best player on this entire team. Uh, he's going to be a NFL draft pick at receiver. So it's just... Um, it's tough. There, you're going to have so many weapons on offense. You have an offensive line that's the best Maryland has had in a long time that is big, and they moved Michigan off the ball. It's going to be as tough of a, of a challenge for Michigan State's defense as possible, for sure. So Loxley said that Tua is a game-time decision. How much mm. do we believe that? I don't believe that whatsoever. I don't either. Um, they also kind of did a bad job with that bluff because right after that, Tua went up there and he said that he thinks he's 100%. And mm. then they also named Tua a captain. But, I mean, I suppose even if he's injured, they can have him come out there in joggers and a sweatshirt. But from all, all, for all intents and purposes, I think he'll be playing this game. You want to share a fact with us about Maryland's, uh, Minnesota's defense in Maryland? Yeah, I think I have right here in my notes. Um, Minnesota's defense is now number one in college football. They have the number one defense in the FBS out of all 130 teams. Wow. And then uh, for context, Washington, they, I believe, are 24th, but that I don't have a note of. And um, for context, Maryland here, um, Maryland is 98th in the nation. Even MSU, for context, is 83rd. So, to recap, Maryland has an offense, or sorry, a defense that is worse than Michigan State's statistically. However, Minnesota, that completely shut down Michigan State, is not a fluke defense. 
They're number one in the nation. Obviously, it does not excuse what we have seen from, from Thorne and the offense. This is not as a way to excuse anything. This is just as a way to add context that it's no fluke that Michigan State struggled last week, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be struggling this week. If mm. they do, then that's something the quarterback position and the offense, they're going to have to keep figuring something out there. But should allow for some openings for the offense to score points. You heard it here first. We will win on Saturday. I didn't say that. Now, I'm, I'm make- saying that. <laughs> we will win on Saturday. Okay? Just so you heard, this is, this is my prediction. This is Brian's stone-cold lock. That's it. <clears throat> Take them to the bank. So, on to basketball. Or football, I'm sorry. Yeah, we have some recruiting news, I believe. Talk. Tell us, Justin. A very, very big commitment for Michigan State in the 2024 class, Jamari Howard. Uh, from Hialeah High, Westland Hialeah High School in Florida has chosen Michigan State. The 24-7 composite has him listed as the 171st overall player in the country, the number 16 corner in the country. Um, one of our competitors uh, over at On3, they're the ones that have him ranked the highest, and they have him as a top 25 player in the 2024 class. So if he stays in that range, he'll be a five-star for them once they start handing out more stars. Just a absolutely... Huge pickup for Michigan State because now you have a 2024 class with two prospects, the other being Nick Marsh, both of who are in the top 175. One all the way from South Florida with offers from Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Miami, Texas A&M, and the other Nick Marsh who has a similarly great offer sheet. He's an in-state guy, but this early, Michigan State has the nation's best recruiting class in 2024 out of all the schools that have two commits or less Hmm. well we're you know it's nice to see that after two losses that people are still buying into uh, uh, Mel Tucker's vision long term so on to MSU basketball practice begins yeah just a little snapshot yeah I think um we got a we got a tweet here yeah video yeah you can see um the guys putting in work there, and uh, it's basketball season's right around the corner. Brian, they got uh, some news. Obviously, Jaden Aikens out for three to four weeks. We got um, Malik Hall out for a few days. But what what are, what else are you? Where else is your head at, Brian? With this basketball season coming up, Izzo says this is the toughest schedule in twenty eight mm-hmm. years. Um, again, ran at social media, so we, we had him on a show talking about get him on Twitter. Yeah. That's obviously not going to work. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's still not interested. Yeah. Um, and then the air, aircraft carrier game is going to be yeah. really special. It is, yeah. It's going to be um, something. So I'm excited. You know, yeah. practice just started. We got, um, you know, we got a couple things going on here. But uh, I, I, I kind of sense coaches rejuvenated yeah. a little bit. Yeah. He's you know? a... I think he's even a little motivated to prove he can win with his way yes, of doing things. Yes, his so way. That's exactly. He, he's very, very motivated. And, um, hey, he's rec- recruiting like crazy right now. Um, their 2023 class is, is great. They're very active in 2024. It's just they have to weather the storm this year. They have to get through this shorter roster. But long term, it's looking good for Michigan State. It's just we'll see what happens this season. You know, you're absolutely right that he's – you know, he relationships still matter. Yeah. And recruiting his way still matters. And while he might be stubborn as a mule on some things, he will adapt when necessary. But he's going to stick to the core of his beliefs. 
and and you gotta appreciate that. You gotta yeah. respect that, and you gotta appreciate that. So, we're excited for that. So we'll see how that goes on. And time for Owen's MSU 360 athletic update. Owen, what do you got for us? Yeah. What's up, everybody? I am Owen Ozas with Owen's. 360 MSU Sports Weekly Update. Let's dive right into it. It was a big, big week for men's soccer. Huge! On Friday, MSU tied number 16, Indiana, 1-1 oh. to one with Grayson Mercer scoring for the Spartans. But on Tuesday, MSU took down Michigan, 2-0, bringing home the Big Bear Trophy. Grayson Mercer scored his third goal of the season, and Jonathan South. He put the nail in the coffin with his first of the season, flipping over to women's soccer. On Thursday, MSU tied Iowa, nil-nil. And on Sunday, MSU took down Purdue, 3-1. Justina Gaynor, Jordan Wickes, and Bria Scrotenbohr all scored for the Spartans. It was also Bria's first goal since 2019. On the volleyball, on Friday, MSU fell to Nebraska, three sets to none. On Sunday, MSU dropped a close one to Rutgers, three sets to two. Meredith O'Gorman had 14 kills, and Aaliyah Moore had 13. And then finally, on to field hockey. On Friday, MSU fell to number 6, Penn State, 4 to nothing. On Sunday, MSU was defeated by number 3, Maryland, 7-2, Issa Vanderwege. She scored twice with Selena Ricardo and Ellie Wheatley assisting on both for the Spartans. Finally, MSU Hockey, they're going to start their season on Saturday in an exhibition against the U.S. National Team Development Program. Until next week, I'm Onozas with Owen's 360 MSU Sports Weekly Update. Owen does a great job, doesn't he? Owen, yeah. thank you. Thank you for that update. Yeah. Very comprehensive and efficient, Owen. Big win for soccer. It was huge. Being, being was that huge. team down the road, mm -hmm. if we play them in field, if we play them in chess, <laughs> debate, it doesn't right. matter. Football school, Brian. Football <laughs> school. We just, <laughs> <laughs> just win. So, yeah. um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. I am Brian Mosalem, along with my co-host, Justin Thin. You are watching the SD4L show. Good night, God bless, and go green. Please close your eyes, turn around, and count to nine. When you open them, I will be gone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go! Let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're a body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest. Go on vacation. Or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. 
avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You in? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Are you ready to get started?